This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. First up today, a look at Malaysia's improvements in the World Press Freedom Rankings. We're number 73. This is the, the big headline and big takeaway. And this is on Reporters Without Borders 2023 World Press Freedom Rankings. Now, it's significant for a number of reasons. It's our highest rank ever. Uh, we're also up 40 places from 113 last year. Uh, previously, the last time that we were good <laughs> at this, I suppose. <laughs> the highest um, we it- were before. Before, yes, uh, was in 2020 when we ranked 101 out of 180 countries. And uh, this surprised me a little bit. We've actually topped the rankings among ASEAN countries for two years in a row. Well, it did surprise me. Um, I will say, though, that I wonder whether that speaks more to the increasingly dire situation in Asia and ASEAN. Uh, but for what it's worth, rankings for other ASEAN countries. Uh, now, just to recap, we are currently 73. Um, Thailand ranked 106, Indonesia 108, Singapore 129, uh, the Philippines 132, Brunei 142, Cambodia 147, Vietnam 178, Laos 160, Myanmar 173. As I said, not a very optimistic picture. You say that. You say that. But let me tell you about Timor-Leste. Uh, because <laughs> Timor-Leste is not technically an ASEAN country yet. It's pending entry. Um, but it ranked 10th, uh, which is actually better than New Zealand at 13 and Australia at 27. So yeah, I mean, overall, it, it, this was greeted with quite a bit of fanfare. I think everybody was pleased that this was our ranking, that we are doing so well, that, you know, it's such a big leap, 40 spots. Um, so well, in fact, that even the minister himself had something to say about it. So uh, Communications and Digital Minister Fami Fadil said that the ranking is a positive development, uh, emphasizing the commitment of the government towards press freedom. Uh, but he did also say that the ranking was actually far better than what was expected. Yeah, so I mean, good surprises. I hope that is actually, um, I think what I feel is that I hope it is in fact indicative one of a upward trend for us. Um, but also uh, that it is borne out by actual um, impact on the ground for those working in the media. But that's what we're going to get into after this. Uh, we are talking about the fact that Malaysia has um, scored unexpectedly well on the on the Reporters Without Borders 2023 World Press Freedom Rankings. We are currently placed at number 73. So we'd like to hear from you. Do you think the press in Malaysia is free? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Wachala Naidu, who is the Executive Director of the Centre for Independent Journalism. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. Be free, Malaysians. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about the fact that Malaysia has ranked 73 on the World Press Freedom Rankings 2023. Um, this is the highest we've ever ranked. Last year, we were 113. So we would like to hear from you. Do you think the press in Malaysia is free? 
You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Wachala Naidu, Executive Director of the Centre for Independent Journalism. Wachala, good to have you with us. Hi, good evening, everyone. Nice to be back on BFM again. Uh, nice to have you back, and a happy belated World Press Freedom Day to you. Oh, likewise, and to everyone else too. So we've ranked seventy-three, as I said, um, which is an up from one hundred and thirteen last year. How did you feel when you heard about this? To be honest, I'm still rather surprised. I mean, we are talking about um, not a, a, you know an increase in ranking by ten, or you know, it's literally a huge jump from 113 last year and in fact even our best uh, so far has been 101 uh, in 2020 uh, but then when you start looking at the indicators and how um, it's pulled together it kind of made sense because um, the indicators basically focus on five uh, areas yeah? political economic legislative social and security we scored the highest when it came to security because, you know, Malaysian journalists rarely um, experience any form of, you know, of imprisonment, physical attacks, including, you know, killing, rape and forced disappearances. And that drastically raised our scoring. Yeah. Our scoring also went up slightly with regards to politics because I think the changes in government and the return of a previous coalition, somewhat after coalition, uh, has made it more promising, I think, for us in terms of the environment that could be possibly more enabling for media. So that really raised it as well. But if you look at our, you know, our scoring under legislative indicators, these are still low, uh, you know, below 50. They're at about 44%. And this indicates that perhaps things haven't really changed when it comes to the, the legal framework and the legal environment. So we do have to kind of take this with a pinch of salt and kind of balance it really with what's happening on the ground. But the real test will be not you know just this but the real test now is how is this current government going to maintain this ranking yeah uh, and this is what we are really excitedly looking forward to but we're also looking forward to you know with some concern so you mentioned there um, the mm. question of what's happening on the ground. And uh, Communications and Digital Minister Fami Fadil said that this ranking was far better than what he expected. Um, are you, in fact, seeing more freedom on the ground when it comes to our media? There, there are definite positive elements, I would say. I think um, things are changing, especially with regards to access. Uh, media perhaps getting better access when it comes to a lot of public events, uh, public um, press conferences, being invited to more public events. So and 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 that is critical, right? So access is critical on one hand, and then we have um, the progress with regards to media council now looking more positive. The uh, both the minister of communications and digital, as well as the deputy minister, have made concrete pledges to see this established this year. Now, those are positive things. And then on the other side, we at times do have to ask the question whether these are somewhat, you know, these comments and pledges, uh, are they somewhat um, kind of rhetorics that we hear? Because the practices of the past are still prevalent, right? We have still seen, we are still seeing a few instances where media companies are being, you know, called out or have been condemned by the government for their reporting. Uh, and just this year, we, we've seen a few, you know, amongst them, I think um, in February, 
we've um, heard from the Code Blue Editor-in-Chief um, with regards to how um, the Ministry of uh, Health and basically the DG are perhaps attempting to uncover the identity of health workers who participated in Code Blue survey. We've also had, I think, the Minister of Communications and Digital um, accusing Barita Harian's article on financial projection as slender. These are amongst the few which which kind of always takes us back, right? This seems to be the status quo. What this instances demonstrate basically the possibility of continued use of restrictive laws and practices. We've even had the Home Minister uh, who's openly publicly made statements that there is still need to retain the Printing Presses and Publications Act, the Sedation Act. We've also heard that perhaps even Section 233 of the Communications and Multimedia Act would not be amended or would not necessarily be repealed. So these existing laws are likely to continue to be used, right? It also shows there is a lack of clear mechanisms to deal with alleged transgressions by the media and attacks against the media. So these statements are constantly coming out. And this ultimately, of course, also demonstrate that the trust in media is still not out. You know, it's still not what it used to be in the past. And this would have a huge impact on the role of media as the fourth has stated. then. So if we take a step back, um, mm -hmm. just so that we're clear, what does a free press mean for Malaysian society? You know, this is such an interesting and tricky question because in, in, the, in the traditional way of looking at the role of press, it would be this important critical pillar that is the conduit between, you know, the public, the, the citizens, the readers, and, uh, you know, the, the, the state, for example, in ensuring that there is effective transmission of information, news in a timely, reliable manner, right? And, and these information should be, uh, when we said, uh, basically impartial. It's critical because we need to also have various sources of information. So free, free media here means diversity of media. Uh, it, it really looks at the different options we might have, the independence of of media so that as public, we have as much information as possible to be able to make informed decisions, particularly with regards to our leaders, our policies, you know, and we are then part of the democratic processes in terms of our participation. I mean, we rely on news, for example, to decide what's happening on the ground. I think COVID was a perfect example on how much we were relying on, on media for information. But when free media is not free or when media is you know, uh, undermine in terms of its independence, that's where, you know, other um, instances flourish, disinformation will flourish. Uh, you know, there is so much of fake news in digital spaces nowadays that we don't even know what is right and what is uh, not right. And then there is the role of social media, which is also perhaps influencing how we are getting information. So it brings back um, the whole question that, Free media for us in Malaysian society means diversity as well as, you know, looking at pluralism when it comes to media that is able to sustain itself and not undermine um, its own principles in terms of ethical and responsible reporting. So the last time we set a record was in 2020 when we were ranked 101 out of 180 countries. Uh, what patterns have you noticed during, uh, well, 2020 and now 2023? I, I hope by saying this, I'm not jinx, going to jinx it. Yeah. <laughs> so when it came out in 2020, it was also reflective of the conditions in 2019. 
right? And we know who, you know, you know, PH was the government then. There were also more willingness to engage, more spaces for media to be independent um, and, and better access, right? Uh, that's somewhat a similar, I'd say, a pattern that we are starting to see, but it's also a similar political condition. So I think people uh, from the outside are looking at this new government as uh, a new opportunity uh, so that we get a better, a more robust this one. So there are those similarities, right? There are all, there were also similarities in terms of 2019, but also time when we saw more discussions around media council, more discussions to push through the right to information legislation, somewhat more commitments, I would say, in terms of reviewing and amending certain laws that restricts media freedom. So there are some patterns, not all the same, but, and this is why I say the real trick is to see how this current government is really going to proceed. Yeah. We don't want another situation where we drop. We actually want to ensure and support as much as possible for our ranking to go um, up. So actually on that uh, on that point, what does need to be put in place to ensure that Malaysia continues to improve on this front? The, aside from this whole commitments around you know, laws and policies, I think one of the critical things or critical challenges that media experience really now around the issue of media viability and sustainability Right. Uh, there has been a, a, a drastic drop in many media organizations when it comes to advertising revenues, of subscription revenue, and is really contributing to additional economic threats, not just to the survival of the media entity, but also how it impacts the media workers, the journalists who are constantly fearing you know, job loss. The insecurity is really job security and you know, the in insecurity surrounding that is real. We've had more and more labor issues coming to the front, right? People talking about, you know, low pay, uh, delayed payments, uh, very little access to actual promotion, people being in indefinite uh, contracts and so on. So this really builds up to continued threats and safety of media themselves, right? And the workers. So that really needs to be addressed. Yeah, And this, the, the other thing is we also need to look beyond the traditional challenges because now this whole big tech um, and the whole role of um, the digital spaces, the digital big tech companies, social media, it is really contributing to more challenges when it comes to media. So if any action that needs to be put in place will need to address all these challenges. Um, and the government would need to look at um, the independence of media, media freedom in a broader context of freedom of expression, because the role of media must always be in, uh, seen as integral to pro uh, promoting our freedom of expression towards a more uh, effective democratic society, which kind of also brings us to the issue that, that the point that this year's World Press Freedoms um, team is really the intersection between freedom of expression and media freedom and looking at it really within the entire information ecosystem. I'm glad you brought up uh, the point about big tech because mm -hmm. um, this year's index actually did show quite a bit of volatility. There were major rises, falls, unprecedented changes. And according to Christophe Delois, uh, RSF Secretary General, this volatility is also the consequence of growth in the fake content industry. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, taking into account what you said with the rise in AI, big tech, a reliance on social media, how can Malaysia navigate this and continue 
to safeguard press freedom in this climate? Yeah, you know, a lot of these issues around AI, these are also new issues that even globally people are grappling with. Uh, it is only now that UNESCO is trying to pull together some uh, ethical guidelines on AI. They're also trying to pull together guidelines on regulating social media, right, um, in, in trying to address how uh, these challenges could be um you know, uh, really clearly, substantively, con uh, constructively be addressed. In the context of uh, Malaysia, I think we are still at a, a very beginning stage when we when we look at the impact, right? The because more and more, even media companies are moving to using algorithms, for example, in, in curating content for its uh, for their readers. So there is this move and this jump to using tech. But at the same time, there is somewhat um, limitation when it comes to protection of uh, not just the, the protection of the rights of media, but really protection of the rights of the people generally, right? More big tech means more of our personal information could be possibly compromised, very little data protection for us. Uh, and more and more news aggregators are coming into play. Where information and and you know news aggregators then uh, are able to generate a different level of income. Social media is also generating income um, to use of you know a lot of our own content, local content. So I think Malaysian government is now you know it's experiencing a different level of challenges. Right now, you need to figure out a way of regulating social media without imposing a censorship lens, a censorship uh, attempt to it, because any form of government regulation often leads to censorship. So they need to figure out how do we ensure a more multi-stakeholder, self-regulatory approach with, uh, with social media companies. That is really critical and it's actually quite immediate. So every time we, 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 we really you know, put out our call, to the government and we say, please don't adopt new laws. You don't, we don't need new laws. What we need is for you to work with social media and other stakeholders so that you develop a mechanism or a practice of self-regulation. Yeah. At the same time, I think um, we need to also be more considerate about how we're looking at the, the fact that the industry in itself is compromised because of all the development around there, right? Because as you said, fake content, fake news, it's real. And fake news is money, all right? So disinformation practices are, are targeted at so many remarketing purposes. Uh, of course, we constantly talk about um, you know, fake news or disinformation with regards to politics, but there's a huge market out there, uh, you know, people who are setting up marketing companies to kind of promote certain kind of content. So there has to be two-pronged approach, I think, when we need to really uh, address this information. One is we need to strengthen the media themselves in terms of being able to fact check more effectively and in a more timely manner, but also to kind of help the media rebuild the trust with the, the consumers and the users um, so that we are not relying on other parties and that are channeling fake news. Of course, media, when they become tools of fake news themselves, that needs to be corrected. Like they need to be held into uh, you know account for that. But the government, I mean, I keep going back to the government because I always look at them as duty holders here. They have a huge responsibility to play in terms of fact-checking, but fact-checking cannot always be used as form of censorship. 
there is a lot more I think that we we could discuss because uh, last year's uh, World Press Freedom Day was really about you know media being under digital siege and we had such extensive discussion because even you know the way digitalization has affected us requires more thinking because even Media viability means we need to rethink the business model of media. In the past, we were thinking, how do we shift from you know, print to broadcasting to digital? Now, digital alone is not a standalone because more and more media are also finding themselves on social media platform, right? I mean, I, I have to be honest, most often than not, I go to Twitter to look for BFM news rather than go to the, the BFM um, uh, website. So it means that we have to put in place effective structures that would allow us to self-regulate at the same time, um, kind of increase the way uh, reporting is done, but also increase the accountability mechanisms. Wachla, thanks for speaking with us today. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Wachla Naidu, Executive Director of the Centre for Independent Journalism, weighing in on the fact that we've ranked 73 in the World Press Freedom Index, um, the highest that we've ever ranked, actually. Um, and so send your thoughts our way. Uh, do you think the press in Malaysia is free? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here. BFM 89.9. Beating Fickle Mindsets, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is just coming up to 5.40. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And uh, we are talking about world the World Press Freedom Rankings. Uh, Malaysia actually ranked the highest it ever has, number 73, um, for last year. And uh, so we are asking you, do you think the press in Malaysia is free? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have some thoughts that have come in on this. Yeah, uh, kind of opposing thoughts, actually, which mm. is always fun. So let's start with Sriram, who says, Our press is semi-free. Our laws are still repressive and our society is extremely hostile to non-mainstream or orthodox views, especially from the conservative segments of society, which probably make up the majority of views in our society. That forces the press to self-censor for fear of enraging the mob, which would cause the authorities to clamp down on the offending party because that's the politically expedient thing to do. So um, I, I think that there's a lot to engage with here. Firstly, though, if I may, I think that um, for me, I I, I personally hesitate uh, to use words like, uh, I guess, mob, um, or to say that um, conservative segments of our society make up the majority of views in our society. Because I do think that sometimes when we sort of assume blanket things about our country, that's when we make ourselves more vulnerable to... Uh, exactly these kinds of views or these kinds of worries and, and it kind of extends to a larger thing than it needs to be, especially because we don't know. I'm not sure that there is like a sort of nationwide study or census to indicate whether this is true or not. Yeah, um, I, I see your point. Absolutely. Um, I will say, though, that I do think um, the notion of self-censorship is something, and, and certainly not just in oh, Malaysia, yes. uh, but in, in any country or society that has had a fairly murky line in terms of what is okay and what is not okay. Um, you learn very early on working in the media in Malaysia how there are some lines that you cannot cross, there are some lines that you maybe can dance up to, there are some lines that you need to be very aware of. Um, and it is a reality of operating in this space. Um 
I do think, though, that uh, to go back to something Wachla, our guest earlier, said, uh, part of this is also... Um, needing the government to empower the media, um, or, or rather society as well, to empower people who work in the media. Um, and, and and that goes quite a long way, I think, in people being willing to put themselves in those kinds of precarious situations. Yes, yeah, so to engage with uh, Shriram's original point, uh, I agree with you about the self-censorship, and I think that that speaks to actually the other part, which is the, the notion of conservatism and uh, the worries surrounding that. Because I think that what that is, is that people who... Um, people who get offended and have a platform or who are seen sometimes as a, what's the word I'm looking for? The opposite of the silent majority, the the noisy minority, <laughs> I suppose. Um, you know, they can sometimes seem to wield an outsized power, mm. but that does end up resulting, I think, in many people self-censoring, uh, especially in the the press context, perhaps more so than social media. So, 1234 says, while press freedom is something to be preserved, there is no control of unethical reporting, biased reporting and fake news. Press freedom is a double-edged sword if there's no law to ensure professional, neutral, ethical, factual journalism. Journalism is not a respectable and noble profession that deserves protection if professionalism cannot be upheld. Um, so I agree on the neutral, ethical, factual part uh, being very, very important to the notion of the media. Uh, the law, however, being the part that curtails that or, or limits that or decides where the lines are, can be complicated if the law also then lies in the government of the day. So media council, right? Mm. Uh, th this is what I was thinking that um, we the the minister has said that there is going to be a continued push for the media council, and I think that should theoretically go some way towards making up or, or um, kind of addressing some of the concerns that are being brought up by one, two, three, four, which I think are fair. Um, the other thing, though, is I wonder if sometimes there is a conflation between what we think of as the media mm. and um, what we think of as social media and. And I think that because a lot of media organizations have a social media presence, those lines can end up getting blurry. But um, when I think about the issue of the the degree, so fake news, for example, is not something that you would associate with press freedom necessarily. So I think that there is sort of a conflation in general of how information gets disseminated. And why media literacy is actually very, very important. I And, and I know this is going to sound biased coming from someone who works in the media. Uh, but I do think that for all the consumers of media who are very quick to point to fake news or, or media ethics, right? It's very important to... Um, it's very important to be aware of media literacy oneself and to sort of check how we consume media. Um, and, and, and that, I think, is a relationship that needs to be worked on. Uh, but anyway, keep your thoughts coming. You can WhatsApp us, you can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can also tweet us and keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.